future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, 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 welcome, welcome. Yes, we are finally here this morning. Uh, yeah, we just had a little technical issues this morning, and uh, it's like, you know, classic for this week. Um, I don't know about you, but this week has been absolutely insane um, in so many different ways, um, but we'll get into that um, certainly. Um, so welcome, welcome. It is a special Thursday edition of the Friday Politics Roundup. It is May 19th. 19th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Podcast, our Friday slash Thursday politics news round or politics roundup. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. And each week we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And this week I am joined once again by guest host Amy Connect. Hey Amy. Hello. <laughs> well, you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You become a patron. Choose your membership level. It doesn't have to be five. It could be 10. It could be 50. Who knows? <laughs> you can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so we, um, you'll know every time we go live. And as you know, uh, thanks to the kind of thanks to our members uh, who have uh, helped support the show, we're at the point now where um, it looks like we're going to be able to add in a multi-stream, which basically means our Friday show, our Out to Coop live show, um, anything that we do live, we'll be able to multi-stream to multiple platforms. So you'll start seeing us on a Facebook Live, you'll start seeing us on Twitch, you'll start seeing us on um, pretty much, you know, probably Twitter too as well. I think we're going to be able to do that. Uh, I've got to test a few things out first, but uh, that's something to look forward to. And that's the kind of thing that makes possible. It's made possible through your support and your membership. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, today's show, uh, well, we're going to be doing a little PA primaries roundup. Um, we were looking at, uh, we'll be taking a look at our experiences uh, of Election Day. Uh, Amy's going to preview us a little bit about, like, uh, why did uh, Jim Miller and Craig Statz show up at the Springtown Firehouse on Tuesday? That'll be an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. I'll break down a little bit about my experience, at, um, my first time ever as a judge of elections at Ward 1 in Percocy. Um, it was actually a, an awesome day, but I'll get into that. Um, got some great kind of uh, major election results that are showing a increasing desire among Democratic-based voters to reject the corporate Democrat policies and support progressive candidates. We had some great wins here in Pennsylvania. We'll get into some of that too as well. And Democratic voters are pushing back against, or just saying, corporate guns in key races. That is not just in Pennsylvania, but that happened across the country last night. So this is actually all good news. In our second segment today, we are going to uh, take a look about what is up in Bucks. Um, news around the county. We look at the abortion rights rally um, that took place this past Sunday in Doylestown. That feels like a week and a half away, um, but just this past Sunday. Um, and Ashley Ahas was there, of course, bringing the heat in her speech, and I was glad to see it. We'll talk about what happened at the Palisades school board meeting, right, after their first live stream. Huge win for the crew. Um, yep. 
We'll talk about Central Bucks continuing to go off the rails, now moving sex ed online because, you know, apparently they because they've removed their masking policy and their kids are no longer wearing masks, which protect them against kind of sexually inappropriate education, apparently. So if they would just wear their masks, they'd be fine. No, I'm just kidding. But it's just like, really, just it's just an insane situation. For all the reopened people who came out for Central Bucks, now they're shutting down sex ed and forcing kids back to online learning. Nuts. Now, this is not quite an election day um, story, but uh, I just learned this morning, thanks to uh, a little tip, that on Monday, the Perksy Borough Council, Council voted to appoint Kim Bedillion to the Civil Service Commission, and they are in charge of the police. Kim Bedillion was the one that was uh, all behind the anti-DEI conspiracy theories um, here, um, here. She's also head of the uh, Penridge GOP. So how about that? At today's last call, uh, yeah, we're going to maybe have a little book chat. We're going to talk about some things Amy and I have been talking about, cooking up, um, something to look forward to and seeing what we're reading and seeing uh, what kind of books are filling Amy's backseat as she drives around to small little locations and specialized book dealing places around the corner. <laughs> <This county. laughs> And look, if you're looking for more PA Progressive Talk, um, tune to the Rick Smith Show um, every day. Um, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm having weird stuff with my levels today. Sorry. Um, um, tune to the Rick Smith Show live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, or Facebook. Check out all his info about where to get his show by going to therigsmithshow.com. And look, uh, Sister of the Night Caucus podcast is flooding your streams. And if you're not listening to it already, man, get on over there for the insider tips. Right? You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind the podcast Rock the House. And they know where the bodies are buried. And look, we're going to need them even more as we go into it is going to be a critical midterm election. You can follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And again, check out their spot, their uh, podcast wherever you get your podcast. For all you gamers out there, the Game In, that's with two N's, is a Quaker Town-based, black family-owned gaming store. Friends of the show, and they've got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops. Yes, and kids get a discount. They get a discount with A's on the report card. Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them at Twitter at, at the Game In. That's with two N's. And look, if you're looking for something special or something hard to get, shoot them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. Again, with two N's, that's at Song of Day Man on Twitter. And this coming Monday, little program notes, we got Monday, uh, this is the 23rd at 7 p.m. I'll have Sarah Aniano on the show. Sarah's a researcher who looks into uh, social media misinformation and the rhetoric of the far right. Um, she's gotten some national attention now thanks to her freaking amazing work. Um, there's a great piece that was recently came out in CNET that um, highlighted her work and the work of some other graduate students who are the ones who have been digging in um, to you know these far right networks and how how they're spreading misinformation. This is going to be an awesome, awesome show. I'm really looking forward to talking to Sarah on Monday, and she's going to be uh, kind of turning her uh, efforts to, you know, cleaning up our information ecosystem online. So kind of learn more about that. Check out and listen to her work. Um, that's on Monday. And then on Monday the 30th, we have Kirsten Zolfel back on the show, and we're going to pull that moderate mask off of Representative Brian Fitzpatrick's record. Kirsten, of course, is the PA Indivisible Legislative Chair and editor of the PA 
and editor of the PA member of Congress tracking report. Um, you've heard her on the show before. It's always a great time. So come on back um, for Monday, um, the 30th. And look, if we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punches homegrown progressive media today by becoming a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Just go to patreon.com slash RC Press. Look, we are in a dire situation at this point. So uh, we have to build out this kind of progressive media network in addition to our entire organizational infrastructure. So um, look, if you can help out, um, we appreciate it. Because look, we're here for the fight, but we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Keep the media and the movement, the movement, the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. So uh, Amy, it's so great to have you back on the show. How's it going? Good morning. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a busy week, like you said. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot going on. Actually, it's been a couple of busy weeks. So. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I think you know after the after the uh, the draft Supreme Court opinion about Roe dropped, it seemed like everything went into overdrive, where every yeah. every day became like it seemed like five days packed into one. It, it did. It definitely did. There was just so much, especially like within the news cycle. There was just all of a sudden like just everything was coming at you at once so but i had finals and it was nice to be able to kind of like turn the news off though for a few days <laughs> i hear you yeah i hear you so it's funny as because i had you know it was the end of my semester too as well and i was had all my grading to do and uh you know i'd literally kind of come up from air come up to air grading and like turn like check on the news and i'm like oh jesus christ <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> I'm trying to play catch up with everything this week. So indeed, indeed. Well, I thought you know it's a perfect. I mean, it's a perfect time to take a look at what's happened in PA primaries. Of course, for everybody where uh, if you're from out of Pennsylvania, you probably have heard about it already because it's making national news everywhere. Um, um, Tuesday was the PA primaries. Uh, Amy and I were both kind of out in the polls in kind of different ways. So we're going to check in and kind of a little bit about kind of what our experience was like, and then kind of think a little bit about what, uh, what some of the takeaways are. So what was your what was your primary day like, Amy? Um, I mean, my primary day was pretty laid back. It was nothing like the past election. Um, there was it wasn't as tense. But this is also an area where I mean, people steadily come through the polls all day long. You know, we don't, I don't think we get large crowds mm -hmm. right. <laughs> up this way. Um, it was, there was a couple of hiccups. Um, I was doing, a, like I was, I had scheduled, I was scheduled for a shift at the uh, Springtown Firehouse mm -hmm. up here in Spring, Springfield Township. Um, and I was up there for a while. And I was actually really glad that I got put there because um, uh, we had two candidates show up. <laughs> How about uh, that? As you mentioned, yeah. <laughs> we had Jim Miller, who was a Democratic write-in candidate for the 145th. Um, and I just heard from his wife that they are comfortable saying that, yes, he did get on the ballot. So, yay. Awesome, Excellent. awesome. Cause we, yeah, because we need somebody to go toe-to-toe um, -to -toe with stats. Um, but he also showed up at the firehouse. Uh, he showed up in his car. I had a big logo on it that said Representative Stats, and he was bringing signs and that kind of stuff. Um, I must mention, though, he, he really should update his flyer picture because he is just he's graying a little bit around the edges there. And it's not so much on his picture in the flyer. So a bit misleading on his. <laughs> was he got, was his, his actual picture kind of like, you know, his his head on like Arnold's body or something like Arnold. No, I'm Stein. My name is Craig Stotts. No, it's, it's a. <laughs> It's a it's a younger it's just a picture yeah, of him yeah. with like a younger photo. Um, I was I wasn't sure because when he showed up, I said, "Oh my gosh, is that Representative Stats?" And it was. 
So I was not expecting that. Well, that's, I mean, you know, look, I mean, this is going to be interesting I, I, how this all came out. I mean, especially, you know, Stats has got to do different kinds of work now. I mean, he's got to get out mm -hmm. there because of the, you know, the redistricting and the 145th is, you know, uh, now includes you all, right? Kind of on, on that side of the county. Yeah, I was, I was generally surprised to see him. Um, and I mean, he was cordial and stuff like that. I did, I did get a chance to speak with him a little bit. Um, I think I caught him off guard because I was curious as to like where his presence was on Sunday uh, in Doylestown. I figured that was such a high profile event. Josh Shapiro was there. There was all these candidates. It was a big deal. And I would have figured that our representative, whether he's a Republican or a Democrat, would be out there to see what's going on. And I asked him and I and I said, you know, we missed you on Sunday. And I don't think he quite knew what to say. And he was like, he what? Like, what, you mean at church? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he did tell me he was at a wedding on, on Saturday. And he never actually answered the question. Um, he only eventually ended up saying, well, I can't be everywhere at once. Something to that effect. Yeah, and you're like, though, that's exactly the point, representative <laughs> stats, right? So yeah. you chose what over this, right, is yeah. the question. Yeah, and I just told him, and I said, well, we'll be sure to catch you the next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, this is going to be, I think, increasingly uh, the uncomfortable questions uh, for our Republican representatives, right, um, about their stance on abortion um, and what happened to, to, uh, with the, what's going to happen with Roe v. Wade, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what, what I think I think is really interesting, the fact that he would have that kind of response, right, I'm, you know, or kind of like, well, I don't know. Um, I think that at least activists, I don't know if the Democratic Party consulting class has really got their head around this yet, but um, at least for activists and people who are campaigning locally um, are starting to see that, um, you know, these candidates are going to be asked their position on stuff. And they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you're, now you, they can't kind of say, well, you know, we're always looking for safe ways to kind of, you know, make sure that, you know, women have access to blah, 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 blah. No, because if the, if the question is, where do you stand on abortion rights, right? Where do you stand on abortion? Yeah. How do you respond to what the Supreme Court is going to do? And what are you going to do to kind of protect these things? Now they're caught between, okay, a very unpopular position of having to say, no, I'm with the Supreme Court in kind of turning women into second class citizens, right? Or and, or they say like, well, we need to in Pennsylvania, we need to make sure women's rights are protected. Then they're going to completely alienate their base. Yeah. So um, it actually, I think this is, uh, you know, for those candidates who are going to be unabashed supporters of abortion rights, I think this is an asset um, that they need to push hard against these Republican candidates to expose them for who they are. But. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and like I said, I, I was not expecting to see him. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I've really seen any. I mean, I guess the candidates, I know that's common for them to go around to the different polling locations um, and stuff like that. But I've just I've never seen him before. <laughs> so, well, but kudos to him for at least making his rounds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and now he's, he can face the, the new voters, right? Can't get too comfortable exactly. up there in uh, Quakertown. Um, so let me ask you this. I'm curious. So I, did you have opportunity for to get a sense of where, say, Democrats who were coming out, what they were thinking about, what was on their minds, who they were supporting? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, so the, the sample ballot that we had, I mean, you know, it had marked off for like Josh Shapiro, Austin Davis, Ashley Ehaz, Mark Kinsley, you know, and then the write-in, Jim Miller. 
which a lot of people up here were familiar with his name. Um, mm -hmm. And and I'm glad that I think that the Democrats, I think a lot of people pretty much went with like what the sample ballot had on there, but I don't think there was a whole lot of other options. I think that there is starting, we're starting to see a bit more unity coming mm -hmm. out around some of these candidates, like you said, that are more progressive and they're not your moderate run of the mill, like old school style Democrats, right? right. Who are more aligned, I feel like, with the Republicans than anything. Um, I, I do I do think that people are becoming alarmed. There's people were making mentions about just how they're getting, like just about what's going on up here, about what's going on with somebody like, uh, with somebody say like with Mastriano. Yep. You know, the type of stuff that comes out of his mouth. Um, and I really, I, I'm hoping that people are gonna be hopeful. I don't know. This isn't a real big democratic stronghold up in this area. There was a lot more Republicans I saw coming. <laughs> oh, certainly. A lot more people at the Republican table. So what about what about if we're talking about at, at the statewide races? Did you did people were people talking about Fetterman, about Connor Lamb, oh, about yeah. or anything yeah, like this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, mm -hmm. so if we get to that, yeah. So people are very excited about Fetterman. Very excited about Fetterman. I I mean he definitely I think has been able to light a fire under some people. Mm -hmm. You know? Um I think he's I think he's probably one of the more popular candidates up here. I, I think, I don't know, I'm what you, I'm not sure how I feel about him in the Senate. I always kind of figured he would have been better in the House. Um, I didn't really have a chance to talk to too many people about the state race. I mean, people are okay with Josh Shapiro, like for the governor's race and stuff like that. Um, they're, I think it's half and half. I think you have people who are voting for him just because he's like the candidate and he's yep. a Democrat. And then you have other people that are really excited about him. I've heard him speak twice now. I think he's okay. I think he needs to get a little bit more fired up. 100%. Um, but yeah. I mean, I was talking with a lot of the voters that were coming in and they're concerned about the extremism. They're concerned about really you know, ban on books and, and what's going on with women's rights and, and, you know, the SCOTUS leak. And that's really making a huge difference too, right there, I think, is that leak that came from the Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, I, I do think that he's going to mobilize a heck of a lot of folks, um, which I'm which I'm super happy. I mean, obviously, this is something, you know, should have been a, a, a party, a party wide, you know, Democratic Party wide mobilization of this, like, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, here we are and, um, you know, this has been, you know, what, what we're seeing a lot of the kind of the, the criticisms of the democratic party, at least at the national level, um, even statewide level of backing off any kind of, you know, full throated support of kind of abortion rights, um, to try to, you know, play this kind of wishy washy center role. It's just not going to cut it anymore. Um, and I think that, you know, we're seeing we're seeing some of that happening and even where like in a district like yours where, you know, you're not a strong it's not a strong Democratic stronghold or something like this. Um, still, that's going to count. It's going to be important for the statewide races where, you know, people like Fetterman, think, you know, to get, you know, at, at the Senate level, we got that's a, such a critical Senate seat, um, yeah. but also in for governor. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm hoping that um, that's going to you know, get people, get people motivated to get out and vote. So even if they're discouraged about, okay, we're in a strongly kind of re a strong Republican area. So we're probably not going to get our say local state rep candidate. Um, but you know, again, it's, there's nothing that's off the table, um, yeah. but it's still, they'll come out um, to the importance of those statewide races. And mm -hmm. if those are important enough, that's also going to boost down the local stuff. So we'll see. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I was getting the general sense that people were feeling the weight of this election, mm-hmm. right, of the primaries and feeling that like, okay, like this is this is serious, right? I mean, I, I guess maybe to some things haven't been serious <laughs> up until this point. I don't know. Right. Um, but I will tell you something. I was speaking with a few Republicans, too, um, and stuff like that. Uh, and I'll tell you, I think a lot of people were, this was a tough election. People were having, they were really taking their time about choosing who they wanted. People were really seemed to be informed about their particular candidates this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem to be just a, you know, run down the Democratic straight line or run down straight. You know, well, it is for the primaries, but people were having, there was different candidates and people were really having a hard time, I think, picking because there were so many good candidates, especially right. for governor. You know, we had, I think, a lot of good options this time, and it was refreshing because I actually, like for me personally, I sat there, and I and I must have sat there for at least five minutes. I thought I knew who I was going to vote for when I walked in, you know, and I still debated and stuff like that. And I was getting that sense from a few of the Republicans I had talked to as well um, because their their race is vitally important. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, the Republican Party is, is, you know, basically being split in two right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Did did you have were there were the Mastriano people very strong out there um, in support of support of his candidate, or was it more subdued? How would you? I don't know. I didn't. So we had. So the the one. So I was. I moved polling. I moved to a different polling location to the municipal building Mm -hmm. um, for a little while with a friend of mine, Jamie, and we were over there and. When we were at the firehouse, like the the Republicans at the table, you know, they were older gentlemen. They weren't, I mean, they were talking and to their people and stuff like that, but I wasn't hearing a whole lot of nonsense coming out. I mean, I heard about Doug Mastriano, but people were talking about a lot of other candidates too. Mm-hmm. Their their table was covered with so much information, way more than the Democrats yeah. had. Yep. Um, but when we were over at the other at the other voting location at the municipal building the republicans they were really aggressive i mean they were going they were harassing voters walking in they were trying to be like you need to see this republican ballot do you want to be on this you would tell them no they would keep you know asking you questions um they were really aggressive about it and they were using just a lot of fear tactics mm-hmm. um, and it sounds a lot like of like a lot of what they were saying is the same kind of crap that mastriano said in her acceptance speech right like it was all just you know how about that crt we're going to get rid of it um, you know, it, it was the same kind of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, I had uh, so and in my dish in my polling place, right? I was uh, um, <clears throat> I've mentioned this a little bit on the show, but um, but that uh, you know, I was this is I was elected through a write-in um, for judge of elections in my ward, um, in part because nobody was running, and I was at the last minute. I'm like, oh man, I should step up. And let me, I'll I'll say my experience has been in my polling place. Right. The people that work that polling place who have been there since, you know, most of them have been there the most for most of my time since I've moved to Percocet. Um, most of them have worked there and they're just awesome. Right. Um, and again, it would be the kind of thing if you walked in there and you didn't know these folks, you wouldn't know what party affiliation they were and everything mm-hmm. like this. And everybody was all is always been wanting to make sure that people got the right to vote, you know, I mean, and it's, it's really remarkable being on that side of things um, where, you know, campaigning is not allowed inside the, you know, the ballot placing. You're really focused on 
you know, troubleshooting some things where people have kind of weird situations, right? Or because the districts have changed, they don't they don't understand why their candidate is not there. You know, things like that. Or, yeah. you know, um, and I want to give I want to give a couple shout outs. Number one, I'm already kind of doing that to the, um, you know, the folks that worked in the um, Perksy Ward one were just it was just absolutely phenomenal. But some of the unsung heroes um, are the folks at the county board of elections. And for all we've heard this rhetoric right for decades about you know government bureaucracy it makes things less efficient and um you know that we got to get rid of it everything's got to be privatized because it's more i'll tell you this we had a list of i think it was six numbers uh, phone numbers to call and you had to call for um you know i mean little things like you want to make sure the person's registration is right or something like this I would call the number and like my thought was, okay, there's six numbers here because it's going to be a really busy day. So I'm going to call the first one and then work down the line. Never once did I have to go to the second number, right? I call the first number, a real person picks up the phone, <laughs> right? And I ask them a question. I tell them who I am, ask them a question, and they have the answer, <laughs> nice. right, to my questions. And they were incredibly pleasant and tolerant i kept on saying look i like i'm new to this i just want to make sure and they were amazing right and i'm thinking like this if this was a private company i would be like welcome to the county board of elections right we would like to tell you make sure you listen to all selections because our selections have changed number one press one if you and you'd be this long drawn out process no got to talk to a person right away they had the question they had the answer and i was off the phone i was able to give those voters those answers in a matter of like a couple minutes right and then at the end of the day you have to bring all the ballots and all the materials out to bucks county courthouse right so you've got all these districts all these you know or, or these polling places and um, precincts basically converging on the board of elections at the same time. Right. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, this had, I was like generally kind of nervous about this because I hadn't done it before. And like, how am I going to know? It was well organized. I was, I didn't, I had waited in line with the cars for about a minute before I was asked to come over up to a parking place, walked in, they ushered me through clear directions, everyone from the police that were at the front checking, um, you know, making sure mm -hmm. that everything's safe um, to the polling places, direct you right there. They had a system set up and I was out of there in, I would say 15 minutes is probably pushing it, right? Less than that. So to all the folks, the unsung heroes at the Board of Elections, who probably get a lot of crap like on a normal day, thank you, because those folks are just absolutely amazing. So and and so, again, that that gave me, you know, uh, some encouragement on the other side of things to see that mm -hmm. just people just trying to keep things fair, just trying to make sure that it was efficient, just making sure that all the kind of like, you know, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Um, it's it was really impressive. So that, that's my my shout out for the day. <laughs> but um, so anyways, in word one, um, one, you know, again, we had we had a guy who had one guy who was out. Um, we had a um, oh, what do you call it? A um, karaoke machine that was using as a loudspeaker. And he was kind of, you know, knew the rules. So he was kind of outside the zone where you're, you're not allowed to have any kind of amplified devices. And he was saying all sorts of nonsense about the Democratic Party, um, <laughs> all, all the conspiracy theories that you can uh, you can kind of hope to um, say he was 
he was doing that. Like what you experience in Springtown Firehouse is that the Republicans are far more organized. They had more materials. They had more people. Right. Um, no, Democrats had folks at our at our polling place and they were there all day. Right. But, you know, get, you, when, when I got there at like 545 in the morning, um, all the Republican stuff was already set up. All the signs were already up. All everything was ordered. Wow. And, and they were able to dominate that just the kind of real estate, if you will, about where the signs are. Right. And you're not allowed, you know, to go and say, move somebody else's sign so you can put yours there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just that's like one of these like little small logistical things that gives you a clue about what's going on. The second thing is, is that we actually ran out of Republican ballots um, there because the turnout was so strong and it was a, such a strong, motivated turnout on the Republican side. Right. So, you know, again, call the county board of elections. What do we do about this? Here's your solution. Then we, you know, everybody had in the end, we were able to because we were able to get access, you know, additional blank ballots. We were able to kind of make sure that uh, everybody voted and we still ended up with a few extras. But, you know, that was just a, just an example of it. Um, and then finally, the other thing that was interesting is that in in the ward one, Kathy Burnett. Right. I know she lost. Right. She lost the the um, the race uh, for Senate and the Republican side. Uh, but she won our ward two to one. And Doug Mastriano won the ward almost three to one. All right. Um, Fetterman. Really tells you about who is who, yes. who is now. <laughs> exactly. The, so these are my two, and, and I would say the other thing. Fetterman trounced counter lamb, too, by like yeah. just like I mean, it was like no question. So the two, two couple takeaways for me, right, is that and this is what I'm, I'm curious this is why I'm curious what's happening in the other Bucks County districts, especially Upper Bucks, where the school school board stuff has been so, you know, focused. I mean, my theory has been, look, this is part of the testing ground. This is part of a, a mobilization effort that we're seeing at the school boards. And just like um, just like Martino, right, was has been Paul Martino has been saying he's now going to take his apparatus and how is he going to put it to work? Well, we're see, and I'm not saying that he was behind that kind of turnout, but I'm just saying this is this is the effect. This is what's downstream mm -hmm. of those school board fights, right? And you know, so that you know, where in Penridge, where the fight about you know DEI, the fight about diversity, the fight about sex ed, the fight about banning books, the fight about masks. All that stuff translates into what? Kathy Barnett getting the nod, right? And those are the folk, those were the yard signs that were out around here, and those are the people that turned out to vote. And so, you know, I think that, you know, this is why we keep on shouting the alarms about how important these school boards are and these municipal elections are because they are literally the training ground for what we're going to see in the fall. Oh, it, it definitely is. I mean, and I didn't see... So up here, there was tons of Mastriano signs. There was, you know, the there was a couple of Fire Fritz vote Enton or what signs yep. up here. Um, there was Kathy Barnett signs all over the all over the place with Kathy Barnett. Uh, there was maybe one or two Fetterman signs. I saw barely any Democratic signs. There was a few Ashley Ahas, but not. They were scattered. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're like, I guess I, you can go to your local democratic committee to get signs, but good luck with that uh, up here. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. Well, but I'll tell you, that's, that's how it is. I, I think the general consensus is, is like these, these people are coming out and they mean business. And I am glad to see that we had Fetterman trounce Connor Lamb because I don't think Connor Lamb, it would be up 
for this type of fight. He seems to be a little oblivious of, of, of stuff going on. Um, and you can't ignore these guys. Like, you can. I know they sound ridiculous. Mastriano sounds silly <laughs> and terrible. Fitzpatrick is ridiculous. They're all ridiculous. Yep. And it, But at the same point, like, you can't not take them seriously. They're in positions of power. Or they will be in positions of power. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is why I didn't mention this at the top of the show, but this is why, again, you know, here at Raging Chicken, we started our kind of own pack, right, in partnership with Levelfield. And, you know, we've got it online. I'm putting a, I'm putting a link right now to in um, in today's chat. But it's like, don't let Paul Martino buy our schools, right? That we're trying to raise funds basically to invest in the organizing efforts um, that's happening for local candidates to make sure that we're going to be doing some of the infrastructural work, right? And some of the kind of campaigning that, frankly, the Democratic consultant class has really, uh, has really failed us on. Um, and I think that this is such a critical election moving forward that we need to have our kind of, you know, to put our money on the ground with the people um, who we need kind of elected. And these like these signs, for example, are a perfect example of this is like I think, you know, that's something that's got to come out early. That's got to come out, you know, um, everywhere um, to get the other side on their heels because they, they have they have a system down. So we get the, we do that and kind of help these candidates get the word out early. Um, and, and kind of go ahead and kind of and, uh, and, and support, you know, like, like you know, we're, we're trying to support not falling into, you know, a pre-fascist future. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I can't believe I even say this stuff, but it's crazy. I know, I know. It's, uh, it's so surreal. Like, it doesn't feel real sometimes because this is not – see, and that's what I think a lot of people have a problem wrapping their head around is, is, is because it's all over the supposed – an imaginary American exceptionalism, right? And that we are like nobody else in the rest of the world. And we're not in a lot of ways, but at the same point, we're not immune to things either. And I think that like just that bubble that Americans in general live in, right? Yeah. From the rest of the world. This isn't talking about our own domestic problems, but just like on a, as a, you know, with a global focus. And, but these things can happen here. I mean, we're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen right now. You know, and people are like, oh, no, that's not that's not really going to happen. I just think people have a hard time imagining something that's not I don't know. I just think they have a hard time imagining that, say, like a, a country like ours, which is so rooted in democratic ideology, um, could fall to a totalitarian government or a fascist government or anything like that. Yeah. And like, you know, this is the drip drip version of it. Right. Um, it doesn't happen in the, uh, you know, in some dramatic fashion with fireworks and carnivals. It happens in this drip, drip, drip of the slow kind of machine of democracy moving in the yeah. wrong direction. Yeah, it's 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 backsliding. It's 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 it, and like you said, and it, there's there's everything. I mean. Oh, I could, I could go on. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, right, exactly. That's why we have you here. <laughs> but so let's. I mean, let's. Okay, so before we go to you know, kind of into the into the darkness, right, which is very easy to do around here because um, of what's going on. There, there were some kind of very positive um, things happening. Number one, you've already mentioned one. Uh, Fetterman really. You know, this is kind of, you know, basically putting a nail in the coffin of the kind of corporate Democrat machine um, by just like trouncing Connor Lamb, um, you know, in this. And I've said this before, too, as well as like I know Malcolm Kenyatta was a uh, was the favor uh, uh, favorite of a lot of uh, a lot of progressive. Right. He's got mm -hmm. I mean, he's a clear progressive. He is he shows up 
for movements. He shows up kind of around the state. He supports other candidates. Um, he's fantastic. And my view, and I haven't, I don't like, like, especially if I have two candidates that I think are kind of can be important for different ways. I, I'm not going to like, I, I'm not generally not going to take sides right then and there. Cause I think I look, I think Malcolm Kenyatta, I think it was going to be an uphill battle for Malcolm for, uh, to begin with in part, simply because while he is known in political circles, he's not, he doesn't have the same kind of name recognition or the profile that someone like John Fetterman does. Um, yeah. And look, Fetterman has gotten, you know, tons and tons of money coming in from around the country. Right. Plus he's the Lieutenant governor, governor. He's hi highly visible. Right. And plus like, you know, again, you know, Malcolm's a black guy from uh, from Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Uh, black black gay guy from Philadelphia, right? Um, and I know people were kind of already saying, well, we don't know if he's uh, if that's going to play in Philadelphia in, in Pennsylvania. I I've always poo pooed that kind of stuff. I do think it will play across across the state. I really think it's just a matter of of his name getting that statewide recognition, and he's done a tremendous job in kind of getting it out. And he did the thing on um, you know after the election, he basically said we're going to get out, we're going to support. John Fetterman 100% make sure we get him elected All right that's what you want because if you take the votes that Malcolm Kenyatta got and the and the votes that uh Fetterman got you're talking about 70 plus percent of the Democratic electorate were behind them right um and so the Connor Lambs of the world are going far far away yeah yeah say. I mean and that's important and I agree with what Cyril has said on Wednesday about Malcolm Kenyatta like I I mean I I, I personally I voted for him mm -hmm. <laughs> um I was excited about him like I said I was excited about Fetterman too I'm not upset that Fetterman won yep. um but at the same point I I think that Kenyatta has a really good future ahead of him I mean he took Philadelphia so right yep. there shows that he has a strong base already exactly. um, and I congratulate the both of them for that Yep, exactly. Exactly 100%. So I, th I think that's like a positive going forward. Of course, the big story in Pennsylvania that's making na national news right now is Summer Lee, right? Um, Summer Lee. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with her. Uh, Summer Lee. Well, we, now, I'll tell you, this is back when, uh, back in 2018, when she won her first election for Pennsylvania. Uh, Sean, when this is when Sean Kitchenen uh, was doing a lot of writing for Raging Chicken and stuff like this, Sean, um, we went at the PA Progressive Conference, or this is before they had any name recognition, right? We're building up this progressive campaigns, and we have an interview. Uh, I'm probably going to re-release this uh, here. We have uh, Sean interviewed uh, Summer, Sarah, uh, Summer Lee, Sarah uh, Iniato. Uh, uh, I can't believe I'm mispronouncing her name now. So, so I'll have to look it up and I'll say it again. And then Elizabeth Fiedler, right? The three of them were running kind of um, in kind of mutual support of each other. They were running kind of as a team and sharing resources and ideas and campaign thing, and they all won, right? Um, and they have proven to be, there was like, that was the beginning of a PA squad, right? That they were able to show that you could be a progressive and an out and out. I mean, Elizabeth Fiedler um, got support of the DSA, um, as did Summer Lee, Um Oh, that's great. As did Sarah. They're amazing. Now, Summer Lee has been, from the get-go, Summer Lee has been the candidate who has said, I am an organizer, and I am going to run, and I'm going to run as an organizer, and I'm going to legislate as an organizer. And so she has been active back in her community, basically constantly organizing. When there were issues around, you know, there were kind of like 
after the shooting of George Floyd, for example, right? She brought that organizing that activism to the floor of the state house, right? Um, kind of and took over the dais one day to kind of like in protest. I mean, that's who she is. And she is one of the most dynamic, most amazing candidates that could be out there. Um, and I'll say this, right? I have, I have contributed to her campaign. Um, I wish I could vote for her. Um, she is going to be one of the strongest voices that we have in Congress, right? Because this is a strongly democratic district. Um, so the, the chances of her like, not winning in the fall are like slim to none. Um, and she was running against Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin came yeah. in and got all this money piling in. He's an anti-union, right? Union busting lawyer, right? They got tons of money from like uh, the Israeli lobby and kind of all these kind of anti-union folks, right? And he was running in there. And um, because the uh, Allegheny Democrats, right, are so pissed off that they no longer have control over uh, what is happening in their district. They're also getting behind him, too, as well. So even though Summer has won by huge margins because her district was redistricted again, this was another shot for the Allegheny Democrats to try to kind of take a, um, to take Summer Lee out. And no, that's not happening. I, 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 th I can't. I've been hearing some reports about this, about about the main like the the main head Democrat, the Democratic Party. Like just taking sides like that and oh, just yeah. completely outright not supporting, you know, other Democratic candidates. I don't understand. That. Yeah, <laughs> well, I understand if you don't particularly maybe that's not your favorite, but you need to support every candidate. Yeah, you would think, right? Um, but that's not what they do. <laughs> that is not what they no. do. Uh, Sarah Inamorato, I'm sorry for for kind of butchering your name, Sarah. I know Sarah. <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm just like, I'm fumbling on this this morning. Um, but Sarah somebody, won, somebody Elizabeth won. Tell, hmm? Oh, go ahead. Sarah. No, 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 go ahead. I was, I was just going to say. I was going to say, somebody needs to tell the Allegheny Democrats that that – that's Republican tactics right there, and they really need to not do that. Oh, they've been told, and they don't care because they just want to maintain the old white guy um, privilege of their look. Th and they're 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 dinosaurs, and they're going away. Yeah. Um, so, and this is just more proof. This is the second time, or you know, they they put up a you know conservative kind of right wing Democrat against sun, uh, summer, and the last time they primary tried to primary out, it's not a chance. Um, they're not going to touch it. She's got too much of a strong base and organizational base. But this was a tough race. She was up against a ton of money. Um, and what, as she said in her acceptance speech, this is what put her over the top. It was people power. And it's 100 percent. So, uh, yes, Ross says that, yes, progressives are finally gaining ground in PA. Absolutely. Uh, 100 percent. And I also say that if we take a look at what happened out in Lancaster County, um, we had um, – um, uh, Smith Waddell, uh, I'm, yeah, well, I'm sorry, I just don't have his first name right there. Oh God, I can't. Um, Izzy, Izzy, of course, I know his first name. Uh, Izzy Smith Waddell um, um, defeated Diaz in the for the 49th district. Now again, he was uh, ahead of the was a city council there, I believe. Uh, he came out against a much more traditional Democrat, um, and you know he's an African American man who's also gay, and he won that. Um, and he's going to be kind of going on. This is a strong Democratic district and go on to um, serve in the state house. we hope. Uh, but he's an amazing organizer. Um, he's done tremendous stuff in the community, and he won that victory, too. So we've got some really positive signs uh, from around the state of Pennsylvania, I have to say. That's good. That's good news. <laughs> yes, indeed. Especially after, I mean, last November. So that's definitely good. Yep, absolutely. And so let me give like one other quick thing just about the primaries, because one of the things that I also think is encouraging, um, this is not just in Pennsylvania, but we saw um, we saw 
winds going around around the country. So, for example, let me pull up the right article here. Um, I think we had this one. I thought I already had it up. Here we go. <clears throat> so, in addition to Summer Lee's victory, right, in Kentucky, uh, former state representative Charles Booker, right, um, he narrowly lost his uh, 2020 U.S. Uh, Senate primary, swept a victory in this year's Senate primary, uh, winning 73% of the vote, um, the Democratic side, which means basically he's cleared the field on the Democratic side. And there wasn't a ton of, again, this corporate Democrat money kind of coming in to try to run against them. And now he's going to be going up against Rand Paul in the fall. Now, this is a this is a long shot, we, should, we could say, um, but not impossible, given the kind of organizing that's happened among teachers and community. And he's got a I love his slogan. He's got from the hood to the holler. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's his campaign. He's an amazing right. candidate. So that was a huge win for progressives there. Uh, in Oregon, we saw progressive challenger Jamie McLeod um, Skinner. Um, she basically campaigned addressing the climate crisis and protecting our democracy. And she, uh, she, I don't know if the final numbers are in, but she was leading um, by a two to one margin in the initial count um, against the incumbent, the corporate friendly incumbent, Kurt Schrader. That's out in Oregon. That's huge news. All right. Um, she is uh, that and that Democrat is known out in Oregon as the kind of uh, the Joe Manchin of Oregon. <laughs> right. So that gives you a sense. Also in Oregon, there's the uh, newly created sixth district there. Progressive state representative uh, Andrea Salinas won her race uh, for the Democratic nod. Right. So there were these kind of examples that we're seeing across uh, across the country. So that's great. Now, we got some stuff to look forward to in uh, Texas. I think it's uh, May 24th is a Texas primary. So is that next mm -hmm. week? Next week. And uh, we're just going to be another test. Right. Jessica Cisneros is going up against the anti-abortion. Democrat, the only anti-abortion Democrat in the House, who Democratic Party leadership have gone up, uh, who has supported him because he's one that's going to support Pelosi. So Jessica Cisneros is back and she is a, again, Bernie Sanders campaign. She's an amazing progressive. Um, she's going up against uh, Kuehler, uh, Quayler, Quayler, yep. And we're going to see what happens in that race. So that's going to be absolutely kind of encouraging. So there, there's some positive moves, right? I know it's slow going, folks, but the organizing is working. But good stuff, I would say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, isn't, isn't, isn't Marjorie Taylor Greene, isn't somebody going up against her as well? Oh, that's a good question. Let me see who's up. I think his name is Marcus Flowers. Oh, that's right, right, right. Yep. I was yep. thinking about that because I would love to see her ousted. Did you? Do you think? Did you see her ultra mag picture? Did I send that one to you? Where no. She, she like she colored her profile picture red and she gave oh, herself the, the, the eyes. eyes. Yes, 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 yes. I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. I thought somebody did that as a prank at first, and then I realized she was the one who actually put that out there. It's, re <laughs> it's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What's his name? J uh, Gerald Gerald Longo? No. No, 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 no. no. Here, here, here it is. What's his name? Marcus Flowers. Is it Marcus Flowers? That's his name. Maybe, maybe I'm getting the campaign. Oh, yep, Marcus <laughs> Flowers. Yep, yeah, no, that's yeah, right. Okay. That's right. Marcus Flowers running up against Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Um, I, I would love to see her outed. That would be uh, yeah, ousted, too. I should say. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's outed as a fascist and ousted from Congress. That'd be great. All right, cool. Well, anything else? Uh, kind of thoughts back on the primaries, or where? What, I mean, because look, we got Mastriano now is going up for the governor. We've got uh, definitely some right wing. So, kind of some of the takeaways in general about kind of looking ahead to the fall. Yeah. Well, the, like, okay. So, 
I was really disappointed with the behavior of a lot of the the poll workers um, for the, for the GOP that were up here. I, I especially this one, and he he was a problem the last election cycle. Um, he was very rude. He'd come up to you know our candidates and be like, "Oh, well, you're just a communist, right?" Like right up in your face. <laughs> um, and we had voters this time that were complaining about him. Um, you know, his name's Tom Cochran. He was you know, part of, part of the, part of the local GOP up here. And he's aggressive and he's older. I mean, he came up to our table and got right in our faces as we were sitting there. We told him to stop. He was harassing voters. I think we had four or five, six different people like mention how they were like attacked by him as they were walking up. Uh, It's just, it's deplorable. Like that's not necessary. You know, and then on top of it, the false information that was being distributed up here is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We have our own, you know, mini Tucker, mini Tucker Carlson up this way, and and she's really pushing uh, this agenda that is just—it's false. It's fear mongering. They're trying to get people all riled up about all kinds of information, and you know, I'll talk about that more in the uh, the school board meeting. Okay, cool. In the next segment, but definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to address that. That really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I just felt like it was totally unnecessary. Completely. Completely. Do you know, did did anybody report him by any chance? I don't know, because I don't think anything illegal was done. Like, I think it was a lot of just pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, like, just so. Because, um, you know, like, they, the, the information they were distributing, I mean, it was outside of the polling stuff. Sure. It's not, you know, they, they could do it. You know, but the, the point of them doing it right is they're they're overstepping these like non-verbal precedents right just like you know their their glorious glorious commander-in-chief <laughs> has done you know just step all over these norms right. and you know there there's a there's like this this notion right democracy functions on the ability to agree to disagree right you know and when you keep pushing institutional boundaries when you keep pushing norms past their point, they may not be illegal, but they really destroy, you know, that whole notion of, of agreeing to disagree, right? This mutual toleration that we are supposed to have for different political parties in this country. Um, and I, I just feel like this is going to get worse. It's going to get worse. I feel like November, you know, we should be on our toes. Well, I, look, and I'll say this is like everyone that I was working with in um, a polling place um, here, there. And again, this is, people from from both parties i mean my my ward and where i vote obviously you know it's there's a lot more republicans here and a lot of the people uh, and i don't know this for sure i made it a point i don't want to like i didn't want to talk politics with anybody right who i was working with um i want to keep keep a focus i didn't want to know what their party affiliation was right i mean i literally had this kind of mentality walking in i just want to like have a really good team to do good work that's really what i wanted right and but right across the board, and and I'm pretty sure most of them are Republicans. Uh, well, or at least half, let's say. Um, everyone was concerned about the fall, and uh, and that's based in part by their experience in the last election. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, uh, you know, people got concerns because you know they basically would say it was the, one of the first times that there was. They actually had some kind of, you know, concerns about how the campaigning was and how kind of aggressive things were um, and are kind of anticipating that going forward. So 
Uh, yeah. I do think, and you know, so I, I make little things like this. I mean, you know, when we would organize different, you know, protests and stuff, and you prepare to go to a protest, you know that there might be civil disobedience or you might, there's a chance of say arrest or something. We used to do things like, you know, you basically take the lawyer's numbers and you kind of you sharpie them on your skin. Right. Or you have a card in your pocket that's got all your contact information and, and the kind of specific things that you need to know. And so mm -hmm. I almost think is like, you know, as one of those projects is and we're talking for preparing poll workers uh, and people that are going to be campaigning at the polls um, that they're having, the, you know, these little things that we training in our rights and training in what is acceptable and is unacceptable on the other side. Because I think what's when it left when it's left up to us as individuals who we're trying to kind of negotiate. Well, they have a right to say these things, but do they have the right to intimidate it? I mean, that would be a, a really nice question to have answered and have a nice little card that says, this is where they've crossed the lines. Because it, it seems to be by going up to your table and making these claims that har like harassing or harassing voters coming in and saying, think that's, that's not appropriate. No, I don't think it is. I mean, you asked, do you need help with ballot information? Somebody says no, and that's that. I right. mean, there's no reason why to keep speaking at them, to keep throwing information at them, to follow them up the ramp into the door you know i mean it, it, it just <laughs> right it, and it is and it's intimidation tactics right you know and this is what but this is what's happening on the right this is how they operate it is all intimidation you know it's intimidation it's fear it's anything to get the base riled up to vote the way that you want them to vote that's it right there that's 100 percent <laughs> true um and so you know i think one of my big takeaways is too is that you know uh, I don't think anybody, anybody on the, um, anybody should feel comfortable, um, that Doug Mastriano is going to be the, uh, is, is going to be the Republican running for governor. I, as much as people want to say that Josh Shapiro, you know, could win by as much as 20 points or 10 points, I've heard, you know, various things do not underestimate, um, do not underestimate Doug Mastriano and the base Republican base coming out to vote because they will. Um, and I think that that Democrats have to be very clear that it's not going to be enough to kind of just like bring up Trump's name as a way to kind of stand in for having an affirmative campaign. I mean, we I mean, I think people like Josh Shapiro and I think people um, like John Fetterman, I think Fetterman is going to be is not going to have a problem at all being aggressive in his campaigning. He's already been doing that. Um, but Shapiro really needs to kind of. Uh, you know, not rely on bad Trump, right? Um, it needs to rely upon bad Mastriano, right? This is why Mastriano is bad, but also what is he going to stand for and not sound like he's just reading off some sort of consultant, like, you know, preordained uh, script. He needs to be able to kind of bring the game to the table. So, well, he does because there, there was, I, I think he really does. And like I said, I don't disagree with anything that comes out of Shapiro's mouth, right? Like he talks a good game. I think he has the administrative skills, you know, I think he has the bureaucratic skills to do the job of governor. I have no doubt that if there was anti-abortion legislation that comes across his desk, if he's elected, then he's definitely going to veto it, right? 100%. Like I'm not worried about that from him as a candidate. What I'm worried about is his ability to control what's happening in the state so much right and the ability to 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 get the democrats um geared up to really put effort into fighting the extremism that's going on everywhere right and like you know you had said before our our state is is like an experiment you know we're like a laboratory right now of yep. of this so 
Yep, all hands on deck, I think. Uh, and Ross also said that uh, they had an uh, aggressive Republican pushing the America First candidates at the GOP table inside oh. the entrance against the rules. He oh, yes, I'm sorry. We had that, too. I can't believe I forgot that. They were wearing their America First, Bucks First um, T-shirts, and they were talking about that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he said that we, he was he was handing out their information instead of the endorsed GOPs. It was hilarious to see them. The America first folks going up against the uh, um, uh, going against the uh, the traditional bucks uh, or traditional Republicans party. You know, these are these are like, look, these are the Andy Meehan folks. Right. These are the people yeah, who are, are definitely Andy Meehan folks. Yep, exactly. These are you know, this is why, you know, remember way back when Amy's on the show, we were talking about when she went on to one of Amy or Andy Meehan's uh, meetings uh, and saw that the organizing was there and their goal is to get rid of the. Uh, you know, the leadership of the in the in the Republican Party in Bucks County, they are anti Fitzpatrick, they are of the radical right. And these are the folks that are showing up at the polls. And it wasn't just one rando, right? These are people that are organized and prepared. You don't get a t shirt made up the morning of, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're prepared to go into that day. So these folks are organized, we got to got to work oh, yeah. that out for us. So anyways, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to take a little bit, do a little round of what's up in Bucks. Um, take a look what's uh, going on moving forward. And then uh, we'll just stick around for a little bit of last call with uh, some book chat. Um, Amy and I got some things cooking up in the book area. We got not cookbook, but book cooking. I don't know. That's bad. I'm just going to shut <laughs> up. All right. This is Ken Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, we will be back right after this quick break. Uh, with a little what's up with Bucks. We'll be right back. Oh, you know what happened? You know what has to happen? In order for the music to play, I actually have to turn the volume up. So I'm going to do that right now, and now we're going to play it. We'll be back right after this quick break. <laughs> I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1920. That year, a national coal strike had won unionized miners a 27% pay raise. But the miners in West Virginia were not in the union. The United Mine Workers decided to launch an intensive campaign to organize this important coal mining region. It took courage to join the union. If the coal operators found out, you would be fired and thrown out of company housing. And so today in labor history, detectives from the infamous Baldwin Feltz Company came to Matawan to evict miners who worked for the Stone Mountain Coal Company. Local police chief Sid Hatfield supported the workers. He showed up where the detectives were eating dinner with a warrant for the detectives' arrest. The detectives quickly produced their own warrant for Sid Hatfield's arrest. The two sides stood in the street in a standoff. Then, suddenly, a shot rang out. Miners dueled with the coal operator's hired guns. When the smoke cleared, seven detectives and two miners were killed. Among the dead was Albert Feltz, one of the detectives who had earlier participated in the Ludlow Massacre in Colorado. Sid Hadfield survived the gun battle and became a national folk hero. The next year, he was assassinated for his role in Matawan. 10,000 angry miners took up arms in what has been called the largest insurrection since the Civil War. The fighting culminated in the Battle of Blair Mountain, where an estimated 1 million rounds were fired between the miners and the company's hired guns before the 
U.S. Army intervened and ended the battle. In 1987, John Sayles directed an acclaimed film based on the events in West Virginia. Matawan became a classic, must-see film about the labor movement. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. Hey everybody, everybody, welcome back. This is Kevin Mahoney here once again with Amy Connect. Um, we're going to do a little segment of What's Up With Bucks, and I also have to apologize if I'm kind of blowing your ears off with the music on this. It's I, I'm having weird stuff going on with my levels today, so I apologize for that if it's that indeed the case. On my end, it sounds loud. I have no idea how it's sounding when it's kind of coming out on the stream. So uh, if that is the case and you're having to go, oh, my bad. <laughs> I'll figure it out. We'll try it for, for, uh, for next time around. Uh, so, Amy, uh, what is up in bucks is the question. <laughs> well, it was an exciting week. We had the there was the um, abortion rights rally in Doylestown, um, which I just want to congratulate. That was student led. So anybody who was there, that was that was organized by students. They do such an amazing job down there. Um, so I just want to put a shout out to, you know, Rise Up Doylestown, all those students that organized that, Marlene Prey, everybody down there. Fabulous job. Um, it was a really good rally. Uh, it was great. We had a lot of high profile speakers. We had Ashley Ahaz, Josh Shapiro was there. Um, they had the president of the NAACP. And then there was, oh, also too, um, uh, Kitty Colbert was there and she spoke as well, which was exciting. So it was it was a really good rally. Um, Ashley Ehaz was on fire though. She was she had a message for Fitzpatrick. Um, this should have been televised. <laughs> she basically was like, "I'm coming for your seat in Congress," and and she means business. Um, so now that she secured the uh, the Democratic nomination, I'm really excited and hope to hear her again. Um, yeah, I hope so too. And I, I, like I said to you, like ahead of time, and I can say to people now, is like uh, my plan. I was going to be at that rally, and then I found out there was like they had to schedule and reschedule the delivery of all my election materials. And of course, they delivered it smack dab in the middle of the <laughs> when the rally was. I'm like, okay, great, but I can't. Like, I mean, I had to be there to sign all this stuff, and also I'm like, I can't yeah. just like you know. Uh, but I so let me ask you. I know Gwen Stoltz spoke for a bit there too as well, didn't she? She did. She was there. I I had there was so much going. On. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> um, she spoke. There was a couple of people. Like there was a lot of speakers. They had um, people. They had candidates speaking. Um, they had uh, women speaking who have had abortions, telling their experiences. There was poems. You know, there was um, there were there was a lot going on. Uh, there was a lot, of, but it was all. It was a lot of it was positive, right? It was very inspirational. These people were like, you know, this this these rights are worth fighting for, right? Like my life is is better now because of, of being able to have access to abortion care, being able to have access to reproductive, you know, rights and, and stuff like that. Like people are able to make those decisions for themselves, and especially for women. Right. You know, able to, because I mean, having children is, <laughs> you know, that is a lifetime commitment for, for both, for men and women, Um, you know, but being able to decide when and where and and whether or not you even want to have children is such a personal decision, right? And that's not as everybody who was there professed. That's not anybody else's decision. That's not their choice. Um, so I think 
it was a really energetic crowd. There was like four or 500 people there. Um, it was real positive. I don't think that there was a lot of misgivings. There wasn't really any counter protests there, which was good. I was really hoping that there wasn't going to be much of that, just mainly because of Josh Shapiro being there and some of these other people. So right. there was a bit more of like a heavier police presence, but not anything out of the ordinary for Doylestown. <laughs> No, good. I was like, I was excited and I was, I'm thrilled and thank you again for kind of shooting me some videos and some pictures of the event during it live. I felt like, like, okay, I've got a little taste at least of being there for, um, for what's going on. And, uh, I agree. I, I saw some of the streams of, um, uh, Ashley Ahas's his speech basically saying, look, you know, Fitzpatrick, we're coming for your seat, right? We are not going to be, you know, she's like, you know, I think the line was something along the lines of, look, I didn't kind of go out and risk my life for this country to come back and be treated as a second-class citizen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She And she's adamant about that. I mean, she's, and she's so, I just, she's really, I wasn't sure about her at first. Like, I liked her spirit, but I wasn't sure if she was going to catch on with <laughs> Bucks County voters. Um, and I was a little surprised, and I'm really glad to see that she's making progress. I think she's going to give Fitzpatrick the run for his money that he needs. Like he, <laughs> I think she's going to get him. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, you know, and again, I think this, I, you know, I've said this uh, like, uh, like to, I mean, too many people at this point. Um, but I said, you know, look, I think this is the, um, she is, she is the, uh, the, the candidate that we need despite the democratic uh, consultant class infrastructure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think I, I, my concern I'll be, you know, I've said this before is that one of my concerns with uh, Ashley Ahas from the beginning was, you know, the, the pattern of how these candidates emerge um, was being repeated, right? Is that she was not somebody who had been kind of organizing for years in Bucks County. She had not, she had had connections with folks in DC. She had done kind of just kind of some of the consulting work. And I was like, okay, great. Here we have someone else who's ticked the boxes, right? That's going to be coming here and they're going to think they could be able to run a big a PR campaign. And that's going to mean something on its own. Um, but I have to say, I've been nothing but impressed when she's coming here. She's put in the work. She's been, she shows up for everything. She's mm -hmm. uh, knocking on doors. She is campaigning fiercely. And uh, I loved her launch video and the fact that she is keeping that tone and that approach at this point in the campaign is outstanding. So, I mean, I'm, I think this is, she is turning, she has proven to be a candidate that people can not only vote for, but can get behind and organize for. So I'm thrilled with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that was, I, she was one of the highlights of the day. Um, the other, the other two highlights I was really impressed with was uh, Karen Downer of the Bucks County NAACP spoke. Um, and I love listening to her mm -hmm. <laughs> talk. She's fantastic. And she slammed, um, you know, she slammed the, uh, the, the Alito, the Alito draft opinion. Um, you know, and she reminded everybody again, you know, that like his, his whole argument is that, you know, Roe is unconstitutional because there isn't a precedent or a history of this as being a democratic, um, what did she say? Uh, a deeply rooted tradition, right? In yep. our, in our democracy, in our, in our country, it's not in the constitution, you know, and then she reminds everybody that like, well, for the majority of, of, of American history and for most of women's history, you know, women weren't included in these decisions. Exactly. So, you know, it's really not, you can't really compare the last 50 years of having Roe to the last, I mean, forever of women's history, basically, 100%. you know, it's just not comparable. And, and she really poked through that, you know, she called, she called justices Alito and Kavanaugh and, and Barrett and Thomas basically, you know, having 17th century views and, and being like, they're okay with that. 
Yeah, I mean, like, to the point, like, literally they're citing them in their brief. <laughs> they, they, they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. They definitely, they definitely. Um, you know, and then the other person who spoke was Kitty Colbert, and I wasn't really too familiar with her. Mm -hmm. um, I did some research on her. I, you know, I mean, she had said up when she was speaking, she was talking about how she had argued uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey um, at the Supreme Court, and I looked up some information on her. I mean, I was blown away. She was a little spitfire up there on the microphone. She's an older woman, but she's, I was blown away by her. Um, she's a public interest attorney. She co-founded the Center for Reproductive Rights. Um, let's see. Uh, she argued the Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, which upheld and it reaffirmed Roe as a constitutional right. But she did write that, you know, pro-choice Americans, that we have to prepare for the likelihood that Roe will be overturned. And she really made, like, she really stressed that point, you know, that this is, this is something that you have to realize might happen. It probably will happen because ever since row right there's been all this push to overturn it you know it hasn't stopped it's been a barrage ever since then so she's basically stating like we've i i think she's like we, we've taken some of this for granted right the democrats have taken us for granted i mean she didn't say that i'm saying that but yep, yep. <laughs> but it's basically that's what her gist was is that we still need to continue this fight right because they won't give up so why should we 100%. Yeah, she was, uh, uh, yeah, she's just an amazing, I mean, she, she's been uh, fighting nonstop for decades. So um, that's pretty freaking awesome. So, well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad that the day went off so good. And I'm glad that it actually served as kind of like a spurring on for kind of further organizing. So I think that's, uh, you know, the more more of that, the better. And I think that, you know, you said this to me before, uh, too, as well, I think that this summer, is uh this is just going to be like launch day right for yeah. the organizing and the protests and the rallies that will be around this summer um given the fact that we expect the supreme court decision to be officially released uh you know you know a few weeks from now are, is are they are they definitely releasing? in june i believe is like when oh, when they're the, the planned releases so you know there we go there we go. So uh, also we've got the um, Palisade School Board meeting, um, which was uh, which was uh, well, I'll just let you go. Tell us about what happened to school board. Yeah, meeting. It, wasn't, it wasn't a super exciting meeting last night. Um, <laughs> it was rather quiet. There was mm -hmm. less people in attendance. We have a lot of the far right members in this area weren't there in attendance. So the meeting went smooth. <laughs> it's, yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but it was the very first live stream me uh, meeting um, since uh, since COVID that we've had anything like that. And it was, that's, congratulations. I'm so excited. There was a big community push to get the board to approve a live stream option for people. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, Palisades board meetings, the regular board meetings are on Wednesday nights, right, mm -hmm. at 7 o'clock. Yep. Sometimes there's meetings beforehand that you can attend and that's a hard time, right? It's just a hard time for parents to get to and having that live stream option allows, you know, if you can't get to the meeting, you can, you can view it from where you are at home, right? And still know what's going on because there's a really big issue right now in Palisades with transparency, not with everything, you know, but with enough to be concerned about. Um, and I think that's good. I think that our school board needs to show their faces to our community in, in a more accessible manner. So congratulations. I'm so glad yes. to everybody who, who pushed for that and supported that. Um, you know, and then we even have board members and they were, they were speaking up on, on behalf of having live stream options for other meetings, right? Because committee meetings are still not streaming. Um, you can't even call in. You have to 
you have to show up face to face for those. So we do have a lot of support. Yeah, I have to say, you know, that's that's been a huge bonus for uh, and like Penridge does stream all their all their meetings online. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I could tell, you know, number one, I could say that, you know, usually when the board meetings are is usually when I'm doing my my show on Monday night. That's when that's when our board meetings are. And so I, I'm just, you know, I've got this conflict. I can eventually, I guess I can move the show to a different time, whatever. But at the very least, um, I'm able to catch up on the board meeting, right, um, yeah. afterwards. Because not only do they stream it, but they also save the recordings and they're available, right? Well, that's, I think that's a great practice. Um, and just like you said, um, a lot of the work of what happens at the board meeting is happening in these committees, right? So the fact to have access to the live stream of the committee meetings um, is, is great. And it, you know, it's the kind of thing like, look, when there's not major issues and if things ever kind of quote unquote, kind of like settle down, right. Where into some sort of routine where it's not just these kind of constant crisis after crisis, you know, probably viewership will go down on that stuff. But the archive of those meetings is so critical. Right. And so for when something does come up, people, you want as many people to have as many eyes on it as possible to be able to participate in the process. I mean, that's a great thing. And, you know, congratulations to all of you um, up there in Palisades who actually pushed for that and kind of got that done. I mean, it's got it must have felt pretty freaking awesome to have that first live stream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Very good. Well, you know, while, uh, you know, so there's some other people that are putting some things online too, as well, um, down in Central Bucks, except this is kind of a bring us in the opposite direction in terms of like transparency and positivity. Um, Central Bucks continues to go off the rails when it comes on, uh, when it goes on here, there, there's been a, now a kind of, uh, more controversy around uh, like trans kids being able to actually be referred to as trans as trans right um, being uh, a whole bunch of issues you know, the Lenape middle school there's been a series of student protests in defense of, of trans rights and now of course the next kind of like uh, I feel like I'm big back in the 1980s when I was a kid when you had the kind of moral majority coming in and kind of wanting everybody to just kind of you know um, kind of you know make all those women kind of say button up and clutch their pearls and make sure their knees aren't showing right you know that's what it kind of feels like right now here again because you've got under the auspices of this kind of parents rights movement um now central bucks caved to pressure <clears throat> and you've got you know, a load a loaded stock uh, school board who said okay we're as a way of avoiding any controversy about say a trans girl or a trans boy um having to be forced to go to um, the section of sex education that is appropriate to their assigned genders, right? Um, them being denied their ability to kind of go in that direction. Well, so what do they do? How do they solve it? Well, we're just going to give parents choice that we're going to no longer offer sex education kind of in class. No, what we're going to do is we're going to have online modules that parents can choose whether or not their kids are going to have access to these things. Now, let's just talk about how problematic this is, is because the reason why sex ed in school is so important is because especially in these super kind of fundamentalist and kind of right-wing kind of areas who basically ascribe to a rigid patriarchal hierarchical order or who are anti-gay and anti-trans their kids who might be gay who might be trans who might a woman who did not want to just be a kind of a baby machine for the rest of her life they get access to this information to allow them to kind of be a full participant in a democratic culture. 
And to basically say, no, those same parents that are forcing their kids into these kind of religious fundamental areas or into kind of being anti-trans, they are going to be forced to kind of get their parents' approval to have any kind of, you know, official sex education outside of the kind of regressive stuff that they're learning at home. I mean, that is completely messed up. That is completely messed up. Um, it looks like we may have lost Amy there, but we got one more kind of thing here. So maybe she'll be able to kind of join back in, I hope. Um, but uh, so that does something happen at Central Bucks. So while you've got the good news from Palisades, it could happen at Central Bucks there. Second thing is, is that, look, this is not quite an election day story or something like this, but I just was informed this morning. Um, thank you for the tip um, that Kim Bedillion, who is the um, <clears throat> Kim Bedillion, who is the head of the Penridge GOP, the Penridge Republicans, um, who was instrumental, who would bring her all sorts of conspiracy theories and, um, you know, barely kind of cloaked racism to the uh, to these committee meetings around diversity, equality and um, inclusion. Uh, equity and inclusion meetings, uh, what happened in Penridge. Now, of course, as we know in Penridge, Penridge ultimately killed their diversity program um, after years of work from parents. Well, Kim Bedillion, who is going to really, uh, she and her son, who are really at the kind of forefront of uh, espousing some of the most um, kind of off-the-wall stuff and who has been organizing around these um, uh, anti-diversity, anti-CRT, anti-mask, all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, she has basically... Um, been appointed. Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry, I'm trying to do too many things at once. She has been appointed by the Perkasie Borough Council um, to the Civil Service Commission, right? And so the Civil Service Commission are, of course, the people who are in charge of the police. So now you have, again, any attempts to address, you know, discrimination in policing any um, attempts to kind of address um, diversity issues in kind of policing or just have that foothold um, in the kind of overseeing the policing. This is not a, this is not positive. This is not good. Um, and of course, there was only one person uh, who objected to that. Um, this guy by the name of Steve, Steve Rose was the only no vote. And so they were moving forward. And so it looks like what is happening here in Perkasie is that we are going to see the um, we are going to see the borough council is now also going to be what the one of the next targets for what's going on. Uh, let me see. I just. Yeah, OK, I'm just looking at my messages. Um, Okay. Yeah. Amy uh, lost her feed. So if she's able to get, jump back on, that's great. If not, um, we'll have here. So let me just say this and then maybe I'll just kind of wrap this up and uh, I'll, we'll, next time around, we'll talk, talk about some of our, um, some of our little plans that we've got. Um, let me just kind of see here. Sorry for the disarray. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of one of the things that is there. Um, that we happen here in Percocy, and we're going to see continue to follow what's happening with the school boards. Um, Want to remind everybody that there's um, a uh, what was I going to remind you of? Oh yeah, Monday night uh, we got Sarah Aniato uh, who's going to be coming on the show, and we talk about social media disinformation and, and the kind of the rhetoric of the far right. Um, this could be an awesome show. We'll see it for there. And then on May thirtieth at seven p.m., we're going to have uh, Kirsten Zolfel back on the show um, to unmask. 
uh, kind of uh, take off, rip off the moderate mask from Representative Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so for that, so listen, I'll, I'll just give you a little a little heads up of kind of what we're thinking about, um, and uh, then I'll kind of kind of go off. Uh, I'll kind of end the show. It's like Amy's not going to be able to get back on right now. Uh, weather is wreaking havoc to her internet. Um, but so here's the deal. So one of the things we're, we're going to close out with a last call today with like a little bit of a kind of like a book chat kind of thing. And um, and we thought it might be kind of a cool idea is to kind of especially for kind of like a summer reading series or something like this to kind of pick up some kind of cool books and uh, just to have a collaborative open space to kind of do maybe like a Zoom call for kind of like a little reading club um, and then to make the recording of the discussion kind of available in our, to our patrons. But, um, you know, to invite folks who listen to the show if you want to join in. And uh, Amy and I thought it'd be kind of just a cool idea to dig into some books which is the one that we were talking about. And this is what kind of got us talking about things. Like I read a bunch of science fiction and kind of some fantasy stuff. And so does she. And um, we started talking one day about the, uh, the show wheel of time, right? The wheel of time, which is, um, I want to say it was on, it was on Amazon, I believe. Um, but you know, this is uh, coming out of these series of books um, from um, uh, Robert Jordan that I think, God, there's like, like, 13 15 more books in this in this series but anyways they had um the series came out and the show was amazing and i have never read the book and amy hasn't read the books so was like, hey this would be kind of a cool opportunity to kind of read it kind of together and we could talk about it and things like this and then we could bring other people on and it kind of be a feature on the show so there it is wheel of time so the first book um this is eye of the world uh, by robert jordan um it's the book one of wheel of time so that's kind of what we're thinking about and maybe we'll kind of get into some other books as we move on it'd be kind of a cool thing to do where just you know it's not overtly political <laughs> right for a change uh, but nonetheless has you know all these features of things that we're interested in talking about so um you have more information about that going forward um last thing i want to do is like plug once again look we've got our uh, we've teamed up with level field um, to start our own pack that's going to be devoted on supporting um, basically uh, progressive school board candidates that is going to be supporting um, uh, the organizing efforts on the ground of progressives on the ground here in Bucks County. It's a way of um, kind of uh, putting some resources. And again, um, you know, we're not we don't have big billionaire backers, but it's a way of putting some resources towards organizing efforts and kind of getting doing an end around the Democrat Democratic Party consultant class in order to kind of um, support the candidates that we know that we need. Um, now, I have to say, I haven't done a kind of a big launch of it yet. I wanted to let this go um, start, start slowly to see how it was rolling out. Um, and so I got to understand kind of uh, how it was going to work and what, you know, what kind of feedback we're going to get. And I can tell you this, we have already, uh, we've been doing this now just for a few weeks, uh, we've already kind of uh, raised more than $1,000. Um, so we've had some um, we've had some folks who are chipping in. You can chip in five bucks. You can chip in ten bucks. I've had some other folks who've chipped in larger amounts, which has been fantastic. I mean, not like you know billionaire amounts, um, but you know people are basically saying yes, this is a good idea, and I've been very pleased with the the, the feedback. Um, the other thing that I will I will say about that too as well, you're going to hear more from this with uh, me in the um, the uh, weeks coming forward too as well when we do a little bit of a more public launch is that um, we're also want to kind of build in an advisory board to the um, um, for the pack. And so what that advisory board will basically allow me to do 
um, is basically said to talk with folks from kind of around the county, right? We're gonna we're gonna focus our efforts initially in kind of Upper Bucks and maybe kind of um, some of the districts in uh, kind of bordering of Montgomery County. Um, basically working on, you know, building organizing efforts um, kind of around what's been happening in the school boards, right? Um, depending on what we talk about in those advisory things, we may kind of um, decide we want to throw into some of the state legislative races too as well. Um, and the idea is just to kind of, again, be both an opportunity to kind of put our resources behind, um, say, particular candidates that we think are important in our community, um, but frankly, also to help being another site of organizing, right? Another reason for us to come together and kind of think and work concretely on things um, and um, where we could do... We're, we're, hopefully like have a positive impact um of what's happening it's about you know it's the same logic behind any kind of small dollar campaign is that you want to be so you have you know the people who are kind of investing in this thing are going to be kind of the ones that um are going to have influence and hopefully it's going to directly support so instead of it's being going out to some sort of abstract move on campaign um that you don't know where exactly those dollars end up this is going to want the dollars go into this pack and they come back to our community um they come back into supporting the candidates that we we need um, and to push back against this kind of right wing infrastructure. And, you know, ideally part of it, too, as well, will go to help exposing some of their right wing infrastructure. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Got some other projects in the works, too, as well, that I'm going to have to I'll put on the put on hold until we um, get it done. And uh, goes on. Yeah. Amy's feed went down. So uh, she just uh, texted there. Uh, but Amy, it was great having you on the show again, too, as well. Thanks, Amy Connect, for kind of joining me on this kind of wacky Thursday, kind of it's Friday politics roundup on Thursday kind of thing. Um, so I really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm sorry I was kind of talking a little bit here at the end. Uh, frankly, it was uh, riffing a little bit. So to see if Amy could get her, <laughs> her feedback up, oh, it's not going to happen. So we'll kind of close it out here. Um, yeah. So, Amy, I did I mention this stuff about book talk. So uh, maybe we can uh, start that next week. Um, that be fantastic um that means uh i'm taking it amy then she's got she's right in chat right now that means that uh you're coming back on the show next friday is that uh, is that what i'm hearing <laughs> hoping that's the case that'll be fantastic and then we can um, get into some of the stuff on book chat and get some updates of what's happening kind of around the state Yes, Amy will be back next Friday. Fantastic. Now my day just got better. All right, everybody. This is Kevin Mahoney, eight-year uh, <laughs> creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, special shout out once again to my uh, amazing uh, special guest host, uh, Amy Connect, uh, for being here once again. And uh, thank her for all the work that she's been doing. Um, you can follow all our work uh, right here at Raging Chicken. I want to remind you, you can help support the show by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can go to Patreon and help support this work for as little as five bucks a month and if you want to help donate to our pack you can actually head on over to ragingchicken.levelfield.net um, and you give what you can this is kevin mahoney editor and founder of raging chicken thank you all for tuning out today um i'm excited to have some rest this weekend hopefully fingers crossed all right everybody good fight this week keep it up let's do it see ya let me try my people come